Hello and welcome to the Nightcap Film Club with me, Simon Alexander, podcaster, daytime cooking show contestant. And I'm sat in my little office at home, as is Paul Foster, who joins me now. How are you doing, mate? All right, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thanks. Um, oh, what's gone on in a week? Not much. Sort of Groundhog Day, isn't it? To quote Simon Holston's Instagram. <laughs> I love that. It doesn't get boring, <laughs> does it? It's amazing that he still gets the amount of likes he gets. I know. I spoke to him about it a few, probably near the start, and he's like, I'm committing to it till the end. He says, I'm not going to give up, and I'm never going to comment back. Anyone gives me any shit about it. <laughs> For those that don't already follow Simon Holston, he basically pitches, uh, puts up a picture of Bill Murray in Groundhog Day every day and has done for, well, it must be 100 days or something almost. Something like that, yeah. You just crazy. go back to his Instagram, it's just crazy for <laughs> Dedication. What I want to know is, does he do it every day or does he schedule them? Does he, like, on a Saturday, like, schedule the next two weeks and then leave it? Like, I, I, don't know. I imagine he just does it every day, probably, yeah. Because <laughs> he, change, he changes the emoji every time, something random. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. good point. Cool. So uh, welcome to the Nightcap Film Club. Very self-explanatory, really. Um, every single week, we sort of have a bit of homework and a bit of fun when we go and watch a film or documentary or TV show to do with the world of food. And then we review it and just talk about it sort of uh, very candidly. Uh, and today's film was Ratatouille, which is apparently one of Paul's favourite films of all time. It is, well, it's my, um, it's my second favourite Pixar film, to be honest. It was always oh, my favourite. What's, what's you, first? You watched it the other day, Coco. Oh yeah, Coco, yeah we did. I I, I'd it. never seen it before. It was so good. I watched yeah. it for the first time at the start of lockdown. Yeah, with the kids and oh, it's amazing. Such a beautiful it's film. Brilliant. The music's great as well. Like um they can live or die by the music, those sorts of films, can't they? And it exactly. was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Love it. I mean I'll, I'm not gonna go on about it because I'll talk about it long as long as Ratui. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Ratui, I love it. I I absolutely love it. I think it's a, a great film. Yeah, so Ratatouille, actually, it's one of those, when I, uh, as soon as it came on, uh, like the graphics and stuff, I was thinking, oh, this I reckon it's about 2012, that was my guess. It's 2007, 2007 yeah. 13 years old, like, that, yeah. that scares me, that sort of shit, that makes me feel very old. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember when it came out and I was so excited, they were, they were talking about it whilst I was on stage, I was on stage at French Laundry in 2007, and it was just coming yeah. out, um, and then I found out that did all the film in there and you know designed it on all the chefs and Thomas Keller had done the design the dish at the end so I was like super excited and that probably plays to why I like it so much. I had no idea about any of that so let's just start there then so the actual is so the kitchen and the chefs and what they're doing and the food was based all on the French laundry. Is yeah so correct? Thomas Keller was a consultant um, yep. so he designed so the ratatouille at the end he designed that and it's cool. Wow. It's a it's a different sort of technique. I, I can't remember exactly where it's from, but it's like a confit bialdi. It's called, where they finish right. slice it, bake it on the sauce, and then yeah, he just just come up with in that sort of spiral dish. motion. Really satisfying yeah. looking, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I just thought it was really clever. Um, and then yeah, they observed him, observed a lot of the chefs, did a lot of filming in the kitchen, and that's what makes it so authentic. Like because it yeah. is, and from a chef's point of view, I personally think it's one of the, take the rat out of it <laughs> it's one <laughs> of the it's one of the most or if not the most authentic chef films there is yeah which Personally. is odd to say because you'd think there'd be i mean there is obviously elements of just bizarreness and fantasy because it's a kids sort of uh, kids for family film yeah but there was actually a lot more education about food and the kitchen than i remember yeah. I, I turned to Haley when we were watching it and i suddenly realized um i don't think i've seen this film 
for maybe 10 years and there's yeah. loads I'd forgotten. I'm re-watching it with sort of a more of an ear of I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. Mm. I was looking at it completely differently and it was actually a lot of really like true to the kitchen stuff in there. It really is. And I, I think it's like from, I mean, I love Pixar stuff, um, even watching it before I had kids. Um, but I, I think it's because they, they put so much detail in. They don't have to Hollywood it because it's so incredible anyway. They have the best writers. Yeah. They have the best um, best sort of artists, the best directors. They employ the best of the best. Um, yeah. So they create this beautiful world that you're sort of sucked into. So they don't have to Hollywood it. They don't have to add bullshit to and fake it. It's yeah. the realness, I, I think, is so good. Yeah. Well, I think that's summed up really well in the first like few scenes when you see um, Remy just uh, burrowing between corridors and cracks, mm. which is what a rat would do. Um, yeah. But just that in, in, in Pixar world is spectacular, isn't it? And you feel like you're there and you feel like you're genuinely... And that is like just magic, isn't it? It's just, yeah. It doesn't matter how old you are. That is just fucking great. You know what they call that bit? <laughs> They what? call it rat cam. It's on okay. the special. Yeah, I watched the special features again. Um, oh, did you? Oh, yeah. love it. It just gives so much more context to what they're what they're doing. Is Pixar? They're not just. It's not just creating a, a cartoon like traditionally it would be. It's like, like we want this. We want to feel like you're there with the rat. So they made it feel yeah. as if you are a little cameraman following the rat around. So you're feeling what Remy's feeling. You're in yeah. the world with him, Don't... and they use. They use like depth of field, like aperture in photography to create the same sort of thing you would see, you know, blur out everything mm. in the background and, you know, really texture up everything that's close. So you feel like part of that world. I think that's part of the magic. I think you're spot on. Like, and you do feel like that. You feel like it's, you're getting the rat's perspective. It's not just an adult's perspective looking at a rat from a distance or whatever, and you really exactly. feel a part of it, and that is so clever. And it it almost must be a fucking nightmare, because I was, I was thinking, like, somewhere there's, like, you know, they come up with the script, they come up with the storylines, and then they actually have to go to the graphic designers, which are just, like, the, the guys just mm. all day, every day. And then they go, right, so we need a rat, and he's going to and he's gonna go, and then up through the roof, and then he's going to go, and they're going, oh, for fuck. I was thinking, you know that scene later in the film, which we'll come to properly later, where they're, yeah, you know when they do that scene where they're literally, there's a, a chase through Paris. Yeah. Like, and there's cars, and they get onto the, and I'm thinking the graphic, just, can you imagine the graphic designers, the man, are you going, having a laugh? Like, yeah. that is a night, that is going to take us, yeah. like, but it's that, that's what makes Pixar and Disney, like, stand out from the rest, isn't it? It's like that just quality of just, it is. it's mesmerising. They, they do, they stand out from all the rest. That's why it's not a, just a, a kid's film. And I was actually, I was messaging uh, our manager at the restaurant, Jack, about it, and he watched it for the first time last night. I said, what, oh, what did do you he? mean the first time? He said, well, I was 27 when it came out and I didn't have kids. So I said, well, I was 25 and I didn't have kids. But I've always <laughs> loved Pixar stuff, but now... Yeah. I, I get to share it with my kids, but I enjoy uh, it for me. Like, all of their stuff, honestly. It's, it's I, I had that feeling last night, that, like, pang of when we sat down to watch it, like, just all the lights out, just sat on the sofa, just me and Hay, and then, like, the Pixar logo comes on, the lamp comes yeah. across, and you just feel a bit like, I don't know, it's just like, it's the most comforting, fun yeah. sort of environment. And, yeah, you get to enjoy it even more with kids, but even as an adult, you're just like, yeah, this is great, like, sort of easy escapism isn't it exactly exactly no i love it so setting the scene at the very beginning like they when so one of the first things that struck me about 
Remy's infatuation with uh, food was as soon as we see the chef come onto the TV screen, <laughs> just how fucking massive he is. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> playing up to all the stereotypes. <laughs> like this, uh, this chef that he idolises that could be the best in the world is also really obese. I mean, he looks yeah. like he's on the verge of a heart attack straight away, doesn't he's he? He's the classic, <laughs> classic French chef, and he, you know, big yeah. and full of passion and just, just huge, like a third man point, right? <laughs> When um, they say in, at the very beginning of the film, I think the quote is, best food in the world is in France. And I know for a long period that was the general consensus that the best food in the world was in France. Is that still the case? Or is there a bit of a... No, so Is there a, a, a they, false they presence would, on that now? They would tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. They're, yeah. They're, they're, with their food, they're a bit like America. You know, there's a lot of America that thinks you don't need to ever leave America. France right. thinks food only exists or good food only exists in France. There's, there is still a lot of that. Um, yeah. But no, they, they do they have are... a lot more Michelin stars than a lot of places, though. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, not still? the most. They used to have the most. I think, um, is it Tokyo is the most now? Most star city oh, or most okay. true star Something like that. Not 100% how it works, but I know they've got more. Um, it, it's one of them because it, a lot of fine food and fine gastronomy originated in France and was famous around the world for it. And, you know, they're, they're incredible at hospitality and always has been. It's a passion. It's a career to be a waiter, not like it has been traditionally in this country. So we've got a lot to thank yeah. them for, certainly. They don't serve the best food, but they're responsible for a lot of the things we've done. You know, the way we cook in this mm -hmm. country as well, you know, the, the Rupert's, um, Pierre Kaufman and the, the influence they've had. Definitely. And what gets brought up on so many cooking TV shows, popular cooking TV shows in this country, MasterChefs and everything, that we all hear the phrase a lot, the classics, cooking the classics, and when yeah. that's referred to, that is always France, right? Mm. Pretty much. Generally is, yeah, generally is. And you've got to appreciate and respect them. They form the foundation of your career. And also, you know, around the world, even the most non-French restaurants, you still use the terms commis, chef de partie, demi-chef de party, yeah. you know, sous chef, all those terms, that's, French kitchen terms, you know, and, you know, yeah. and we you still know. we had we had we chef quite a few times, didn't we, in that in that in the film as well? Yeah, and that still gets uttered by everyone now, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still everywhere, yeah. Even the most non-French places, it's because it's you know it's, it's part of the tradition, and let's say we have got a lot to be thankful for. Apart from do people say we chef in your kitchen? Um, sometimes I'm not that strict on it because like in the kitchen's so small, all out the front. So there's only two of us in that front bit and one or two around yeah. the back. You don't need to call an order on. So the order comes on, you both see it. There's no like, you know, check on some ours. Um, there's none of that. Like I have sure. done in other kitchens and, you know, I never um, made them say we. Like for kitchens, I, you have to say we. Or kitchens I've worked in, you have to. You can't yeah. say yeah. Got so sometimes really? to piss the chef off, you'd just be like, yo. <laughs> 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 which would not oh, go down that. well but if you say it in the right way the right frequency they wouldn't know who it was <laughs> yeah they just everyone would get shouted at but yeah for me it's like say we say yes yeah, just just fucking acknowledge me i don't mind <laughs> yeah that's fine i like that um yeah and after we sort of like gather that remy's fucking into his food everyone else just wants to scrounge i think his dad is a bit like you know a similar to um grant's dad in weirdly yeah. in chef's table in the first episode Remy's dad in Ratatouille is like, fuel's just for food, mate. Uh, uh, sorry, food's just for fuel, mate. Just, uh, you know, get it down, yeah. It doesn't matter about the taste. 
Um, and it's yeah. interesting how like a real life documentary about an elite level chef and also Ratatouille, which was filmed years before, the same theme occurs in both. Mm. And maybe that is because there's a lot of that in people's or chefs, successful chefs motivation mm. throughout their careers is that that curiosity and that sort of like, I don't want it to just be fuel. I want yeah. it to taste great. I want to make sure that every, even if it's just a Tuesday night, I'm cooking from scratch and I'm going to try and make it better and stuff. Um, I love that that's a theme in this film. Yeah, and, and I can empathise with that. You know, my, my dad was the same. It was just fuel. It didn't matter. But then I was like, why does this taste good? Then you start, mm. the questioning starts, and then you're like, well, they're wrong. So, you know, yeah. I can find more here. And then all of a sudden, it just snowballs. Yeah, I love that. Um, although I did, I was a bit unsure of, you know, when we first sort of see that, like, um, I don't know, what, what's the best way to describe it? He, like, goes into almost like a mind palace where he's tasting, do you know what I mean? And there's, like, those firework representations of what the saltiness and the nuttiness, mm. you know, that that bit. And he's got a strawberry and some cheese. I'm yeah. like, what the... Would that, that can't work, surely. What, strawberry and cheese? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the right cheese, you, yeah. Would, yeah, I mean, like, you, you think about people have chutney with um, cheese. Yeah, I, yeah, so I, I guess I thought, like, you know, che- che- soft cheese in cheesecakes and those sorts of things. But he just had this lump of cheese and literally a strawberry. And in my head, I was thinking, uh, I don't know, I don't know yeah. whether that would go down I mean, great. But It would work better with, you know, like creamy cheeses, like brie styles and things like that. Um, yeah, I suppose so. That's yeah, where I would go with it, not not like a hard cheese, really, and a strawberry. That's a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, see why they're doing it in the film. They're just trying to show that, like, that tastes great. That tastes great. Put them together, and like, wow, like it creates something mm. else. But it's what I liked about that, in terms of it being a kids, I keep saying kids film, family film, is that that is quite challenging. It's that they could have picked two ingredients that were matches made in heaven that everyone was familiar with so that they could like jump on board. So yeah. to sh- straight away decide to use a strawberry and cheese, which is unusual compared to, say, if he had a leaf of basil and a tomato in his hand. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting that they, and like you said, it that is authentic. That is genuinely a guy that is a rat that's, <laughs> that knows what he's talking about. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, he's got a name. Yeah, actually... Remy, sorry, yeah, we'll call him Remy, not the rat. Also, it, it was one of those, um, uh, for any Friends fans out there, they'll know what I mean, but right at the very end of Friends, at the very end of season 10, they move out of Monica and Rachel's apartment, and mm. Joey sat there, and Joey looks round and goes, has it always been purple? And it's sort of like well, a beautiful payoff-like joke, because it always has been, yeah. but without all the furniture, it really hits you. Yeah. And it was literally the same for me in this film, where at the end, I literally turned to to Hayley and I was like, has he always been blue? Has it always been a blue rat? There's no, what, no, what, that is such a random thing that they just, why is he yeah, blue? he's different to all the others. His dad and his brother. His brother's brown, his dad's kind of purpley brown, I think. He's, Remy's adopted, mate. He must yeah. be. Yeah, his <laughs> mum was messing about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. Actually, there was a bit early on that reminded me of you when, um, you know, he's trying to convince his brother that there's more to food than just fuel. And um, they're on top of the roof. Mm. And the lightning strikes. And they ask him, how did that taste? And obviously, because of the lightning striking, it goes all smoky. And he says, oh, it tastes a bit lightingy." Yeah. And straight away, I thought of your bonfire mayo. <laughs> straight away. <laughs> this is where this comes from. Yeah. Yeah, that's, what, that's how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then I, I guess we, I mean, after the sort of like weird D-Day bit, which is quite, it's quite traumatic seeing that woman tearing around her own home with a shotgun and then out into the garden. I mean, she must, she's got a prop. she's got issues there because yeah, like, your own house, him. taking your shotgun to your own house to kill a rat. I mean, it's your own house. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, I just want to kill this rat. I don't care if I ruin my house, I'm getting rid of this rat. That's pretty heroic. Um pretty sort of like catastrophic and then they go down the sewer he pops out he's obviously in central france um and thus begins like the journey of him getting into the kitchen and then like the nitty-gritty of him uh sort of fulfilling his dreams of tasting and cooking properly with maneuvering this guy's hair around how authentic was the sort of look and style of that kitchen when he first pe- peers in and looks around and sort of like, does that straight away just go, yeah, this is, there's no like, oh, that would never happen or that wouldn't look like that? Uh, it feels like a French kitchen. Don't have a lot of experience with French kitchens, but got a lot of experience with kitchens. And it does, it feels like you're in a kitchen. Just and how they sort of create the atmosphere of the noises and the people moving in the background. Because I obviously looked at it a lot more than I normally would this time. It just genuinely feel very authentic, the way they're talking, the way they're shouting, the way people are standing. Um, yeah, the chef just sat in his office. Down to the little detail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, down to the little detail. I suppose, so when they were at the Flint, I don't know how much you sort of picked their brains about it when you were there, but did they, li- did they film at French Laundry and then basically almost recap, like change that into Pixar? Or did they just sort of like take notes and pictures to like get inspiration? Or was it legitimately like... It doesn't like... actually say how they did that. Um, so I don't know oh, if okay. they, they, I assume they did because the movements are right, just the way, the way it works, because there's, there's a bit of the special features as well. You know where, um, Linguini's going to his little pokey flat and he's trying to get his bike yeah. in and he's like ramming it through. They, what they yeah. did and with all these scenes and they, they speak about, it, it's really interesting. They, they, they got a guy with a bike just trying to get it through a small door and they watch it yeah. back. And it's not just about how you get the bike through. Like the director, I mean, the director is like a really detailed guy. Something Bird, Barry Bird, or something his name is. Um, yeah. He was like, I like what his hand did there, and just the little way his hand moved there. These things that you would never even notice, but your subconscious does, and gives it that re- real, real feel to it. And they just go through Makes it, it through it, just for that one throwaway scene, just coming into his, that house with a bike. So I imagine they yeah. do the same for the kitchen, you know, how the chefs move, how they're of pan what's going on yeah that's amazing and it's a beautiful way to demonstrate the whole kitchen and the actual restaurant in the scene where remy accidentally falls through the window and he's trying not to get caught and it's really fucking stressful to watch because you think it's gonna be over and then it goes again and then he goes in the oven and then he goes out into the restaurant and then back on a tray and like it's it's a constant apparently that's what the disney world ride is based on it's based on that sequence okay uh, I've never been, but my girlfriend has with her sister, and and she said that that is what the actual ride is: is you getting caught by oh, everyone trying wow. to get out, in and out of the kitchen, which oh, sounds wow. incredible. That does, yeah. But you do, you they they again they create the atmosphere, and you're nervous for him when he falls in that dishwasher water. You're looking up like you're the rat, the the fat chef looking yeah. in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. Um, when um the, one of the first things that he sort of does in the kitchen is he's about to escape and then realises, oh, the soup's fucked, I want to fix it, and he can't help himself. Yeah. So he goes back. Now, some of the ingredients, I can't tell what they are because they're a bit cartoony, 
But is there even logic to the sorts of spices and herbs he uses to fix it? Because that was one thing I was a bit dubious about. Or does it not matter? Are we just like... Not really. If you break it down, there's no real logic to that at all. Because you, you never yeah, know fine. what the soup is. And it's a massive yeah. pot and he puts one sprig of parsley in. <laughs> yeah. You know, Parsley don't have much flavour as it is. And it ain't touching yeah. that. And he's, yeah. Good point. It's obviously, big, it's an, obviously an important part of the story. But yeah, if we break that down, it's like there's no logic in that. Yeah, that makes sense. Then when uh, Linguini discovers that he he is the the genius and asks to take him to the river, and you got that horrible scene where he's like looking in the glass, going, "Oh God, I'm going to throw it," and you think, "Oh, don't throw him in the river." Although I was thinking that's going to float, isn't it? He's going to float if he. <laughs> yeah, but he ain't getting he's out. Fine. Yeah, he's not getting out. That's a good point. Um, but then then he gets he lifts him out and he t- starts talking to him and realizes that he can nod and stuff mm. and th- at that point i that, that's one thing i'd forgot from the first time i'd watched it is that he can't talk to the humans no i was that was a really unusual creative decision because later on you know when he's doing the press conference mm-hmm. and he's under his hat yeah and remy starts getting frustrated with linguini that linguini's taking all the credit Remy then goes to go, oh, for fu-, he basically goes, oh, for fu-, but it makes a noise. Yeah. And then Linguini covers up and goes, oh, sorry, I've just got something in my teeth. Uh, so, yeah. You can hear you can hear him there. And he's just decided, it's like, actually, is Remy just deciding not to talk to you? <laughs> yeah. And he I could talk to you. That. Yeah. I yeah. Well, no, the whole thing, I was like, oh, so rats can't talk to humans. But then at that one point when Remy makes a noise and Linguini tries to cover up for him, I'm like, well, hang on. Why don't you just talk to him? So you could save hours here. Yeah. Just, just talk he, to him. Remy speaks to his dad in the same language that uh, Linguini speaks to Colette. So yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. It's stuff like that. I suppose you gloss over for the yeah, family. Of uh, sort of. It, especially stuff like I was trying to think at the end. Like, okay, so accents wise, right? We've got a rat that is born and bred in France, but doesn't know until he pops out near the Eiffel Tower who is American. Yeah. And all of his brothers and sisters and dad are. And then you've got an American chef coming into the restaurant and you've got all French chefs speaking English, mm-hmm. not in French to each other. And then you've got a food critic with a French name who speaks English yeah, in an English Paul, accent. It? Yeah. yeah, it's Peter O'Toole, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, this is all very, I, I suppose, stereotypical in a way. Like, French chefs speak French, the lead actors speak American, and the baddie, for most of the film, is English. I was like, <laughs> this is so classic how they've set this up with accents. And then you look at any literature, like, you know, please wash your hands, it's all in French on the walls, and the, the papers yeah. are in French. Good point. And there's also, uh, did you notice, there's also a French baddie from a different film in it is like tiny you'd never really notice him um i can't remember his name now um but he's, in, he's from incredibles oh yeah 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 he's on the bridge when um yes colette and linguini are going across the bridge and the old chest there he hiding behind the paper um what is it he's the mime guy he's in incredibles oh, anyway he's yeah. only in it a little bit Oh, I love that. They're like little Easter eggs, aren't they? That's yeah. great. Good knowledge. Good spots. See, anyone that's listening to this and hasn't watched it yet, that is a great one to pull. Mm. Um, I suppose one of the questions I had, actually, about the kitchen um, is 
she's telling him what to do. She's what's her name again? I can't remember Colette. her name. She's telling him, yeah, Colette. Sorry, she's describing to him what you should and shouldn't do in the kitchen about like, especially about mess. Mm-hmm. And again, I was like, that's very authentic. But the one thing she said that I'd never heard before was keeping your arms in. Yeah, yeah I, is that an actual thing? I only ever heard that when I was in the states. I've oh, never heard but that. But it is a here. thing. She was like, "Keep your arms in," because if you get it out, you can hit stuff and get in each other's way. Like, keep your arms. And I was like, "I'd never heard of that." Before. I used to get told off for it in New York because I'd stand there and I'd have yeah. my arms on my hips like a teapot, and then <laughs> you know the, the owner, so the chef's dad, Wiley's dad, he used to tell me off across the pass, and he'd like, "Yeah," I'd be like, oh, "What have I done?" Wow. And I'd, yeah, never hear it over here. You just don't. I no. think there are a lot more regimented in the states like that. Like you know here. You know, if you're walking behind someone, you tend to say backs or behind. But being English, you say it quite politely and quite soft. Um, but in America, it's like backs, behind, hot behind. And in, in France, they say show, show behind uh, or French kitchen. But then in America, they take it, of course they do, they take it to another level. So they'll tell you if they're coming around a corner. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> corner, be... corner, corner, back, <laughs> corner, back, hot, show, corner. It's like, fucking hell. Oh, gee, that's too much. Yeah. I, I'd forget what I'm doing with the food if I was worried about what I've got to say when I'm walking around. That's crazy. But I guess if you are, you know, if you're walking around a blind corner, you've got a big tray of something that might be hot. You know, mm. if someone else is walking around True. that corner. So, you know, I get it. It's just yeah. English, we kind of don't do much. that, do we? <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh, sorry, sorry, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so true actually Colette is another really sort of pivotal character for another way because she brings up the theme which again is quite a bold thing to do in um you know family friendly film about the whole uh women in kitchens thing like she's the only woman in the kitchen she makes a point about that and how much it's a travesty and of course like by the end of the film she's you know almost basically the head the head chef with Remy isn't she she's basically it and and I think that was quite a because that's a pretty on trend sort of theme and there's 2007 it's pretty cool that they put that in there because i guess they didn't have to in a subtle non-militant way that you know would stick in the minds of children but she's a badass isn't she a lot of women have to be or have to be in kitchens where you know they're male dominated and like when she goes through all the characters every one of those characters i've seen in a different kitchen like someone who's been in prison this leads me perfectly to my next question for you which is if you if you could if you could I know I'm springing this on you now but if you could recreate Ratatouille for real life who would they all be? <laughs> real chefs. And it could be like so who would who would Linguini be? Oh god, he wouldn't even make it in the door. It'd have been it wouldn't even make it. Yeah, you know, like fine. Okay. Who would the little evil head chef be? The little guy. See, I've met guys like him, and he's just. Um, obviously he must be talented to get to the top, but there's he's got small man syndrome, clearly, yeah. anger issues. I've seen a lot of that in kitchens, and they don't tend to make it to the top. Um, sure. They'll be the little bitter Chester party who's, you know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, you've hit the nail on the head there, because one of the things I wrote down was... Um, short man syndrome and it's really nice that Pixar like deliberately because I think if he's tall and a bit boisterous he's automatically a bit a bit scary yeah. to have that classic short man syndrome you could then it was all about ego and and, and stuff rather than his physicality yeah. and I thought that was quite a clever way of presenting him yeah yeah exactly exactly and then you know I've 
worked with many chefs that have been to prison. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, you know, it's a bunch of pirates, isn't it? Generally. <laughs> or Rianne explained it the best way once, like kitchens are full of lost boys. Uh, is it, you yeah, know, a lot are, you know, a lot that, you know, from um, generally from, you know, sort of broken homes, things like that, you kind of stumble the way in. It's not like I was, I passionately wanted to be a chef. That, that doesn't happen so often. People stumble upon it because, yeah, yeah. Lost Boys got some creative flair or they attracted to that boisterous environment or the, you know, like the army or something like that, where you've got that like father yeah. figure. Um, I'm getting a bit deep into it now, but you, you do find a lot of kids that haven't had um, dads or a real proper father. They're attracted to somebody with, you know, that position, that, that father sense. figure, that head chef who's strict and will teach you those lessons. Um, There's loads of sense in that. Lost Boys, I love that idea. That's mm, really clever. Yeah, no, get a lot of it. Um, um, yeah, and yeah, she, but going back to Colette, yeah, she, I've, you know, I've met a lot of girls like that as well. And uh, she reminded me a bit of Frances, actually, when Frances on her episode with us, she talked about how she just had the only way to sort of break through this, the sort of like the barriers with all the guys in the kitchen was to just, you know, meet them halfway and just be just as loud and just, you know, make sure you don't don't be a shrinking violet was her uh, attitude towards it but then she also said it's very different now in today's climate you know she sees her kitchen it's more diverse in every way Mm. and there's more women in the kitchen and there's less sort of like male and female-ness to everyone's character it's just a bit and the women can be themselves they don't they don't feel like they have to be this aggressor to to fit in you know and it's going to be much better off if they can be themselves to shine and not have to be a badass we uh we, we get get to the bit in the film where um you know he meets up with his dad again and then he, we see that he starts to steal a bit of food for his brother and stuff like that and then his dad tries to teach him a lesson about how like rats and humans can never and they go to that shop right now that yeah. that is haunting so they stand outside oh, the shop is. at night with all the rat poison and then loads <laughs> of rat traps with dead rats in and I was thinking do you know what I could do wonders for that business don't put dead rats in the window. That is, an, yeah. that is an awful... Like, imagine walking down the street and seeing loads of dead rats. In the, I was like, this is the worst shop in the world. No one's going in there. That is ridiculous. Know, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty dark. I've never seen that. There's quite a few... <laughs> You'd never see yeah. that. There's quite a few dark themes in this, which I lo- they're like the nuggets for the adults, I suppose. I think the first one for me was when uh, Remy's going through all the cracks uh, above the... And he goes through loads of different um, flats... Or above yeah. their flats. Yeah. And you see that couple fighting with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> and then and they, they shoot and then they start kissing aggressively. And I was like, whoa. And then the next one, which actually probably is, was the bit I laughed at in the film the most, is when he's in Linguini's little flat and he accidentally chucks a pan out the window and there's a car crash. <laughs> and Linguini goes to look, and Remy just cl- covers his eyes like, "Don't look, Don't, never look, never look, never look at the bodies." I was like, "That is so, yeah. that is absolutely, that is horrendous." <laughs> let alone I having men bound and gagged and thrown in the fridge at the end. Like, let alone that. <laughs> oh no, actually kidnapped. It's just, yeah, I know. It's a lot of very adult themes, and it also made me think there was quite a bit of snogging in this in this film. And I don't think you see like proper full-on snogging in no. any Pixar films. No, I don't. Like, you see the odd peck on a cheek or so, but there was like some proper getting off in this film. Yeah, like, you know when they're leaning over it. the motorcycle, you got that couple in the flat. 
You've, there's a lot of that. Yeah, France, Phil, love, Utter Paris, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah, maybe that's why they did it. It must have been a fun film to to make. You know, obviously they do huge amounts of research. Apparently, all the producers and the the, the core team behind it have spent loads of time in Paris in the best restaurants, you know, eating at restaurants Thomas Keller had worked at. Um, you know, and like Helen de Rose as well, went all these good places and spent loads of time at the French Laundry. I mean, how fun is that to research, eating all this amazing food and just really being absorbed yeah, in that so true. environment? Yeah, yeah. So you think of other films about to make? Yeah. Um, another sort of theme throughout this film was about the whole, and there's a nice tie-in from the beginning right to the very end when Colette is on the bike and she drives past the shop on the front of the book about anyone can anybody can cook it's not necessarily yeah. just about yeah it, it takes a lot of like time and practice but this idea of anyone can cook is that's a really like beautiful message and actually maybe even for kids watching that film yeah they're seeing the fun and the the beauty of the food and how much joy it brings people but then there's also this overriding message of anyone can do this this is not rocket science like yeah there are varying degrees of it which are but at the base level, anyone can do this. And that's a really cool theme to bring up, I think, for kids. It is a nice, it's a very inclusive message when you're watching it. It's not about the elitists, these are the only people that can do this. It's like, you know, if you apply yourself and anyone could do this. It's, um, it is, it's nice for kids. They feel that they could be a part of any of that. Because what, what, I've got a funny story about one of the on. guys in the French Laundry thing. Um, the link, oh, yeah. link me back. So when I was watching... The special features again. There's there's a lot of interviewing Thomas Keller while he's on the whilst he's on the pass, and then because it was they obviously did that around 2006 when they when they were making it. Um, so when I started there, a lot of guys in that video I was working with, so I recognised most wow. of them and know the name. So and then weird. there's an English guy called Carl Carl Newbury who's on the fish yeah. section, and he is on the fish section. So it would have been very close to when I was there, maybe. Actually, but yeah, anyway, so I, um, my first day I started um, with the commies and there was this guy named Kangu who was a dickhead. I just didn't like him. He was like a commie who looked after the, the stages and the commies. I didn't get on with right. him. He was, he was just a real arrogant motherfucker. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was like, so where, where are you from? I was like, oh, um, England, um, a place called Coventry. He's like, oh, is that near London? I was like, no, not really. It's two hours away. He's like, so it's near London then. Um, and then he said, oh, we've got an English guy who works here. His name's Carl. You'll, you'll probably know it. I said, there's 60 million people in the UK. <laughs> you probably know him. I ain't gonna know. We're not a little village. I know you think we're a fucking little village, but it's not a little village. It's a lot of people. And he's like, just ignored, dismissed me like I was just talking shit. Next day, Carl comes in. He's like, Paul. So Carl, <laughs> in front of this gang. <laughs> <laughs> that is so he just supported his theory. <laughs> I, I met, we did you know? Did you recognise him? Yeah, straight away. Yeah, I didn't know he oh, was there. That was we worked together at Le Manoir. He was above me, and um, <laughs> we'd lost touch. And so I didn't know him that well at Le Manoir on different sections. Um, I went, yeah, moved on, and been a few years later, and he went to work at French Laundry. He'd made it sue at Le Manoir. Worked at went out to French Laundry. Yeah, but as soon as he came in, he's like, Paul, Carl. And Kang looked at me, he's like, yeah, told you. So <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it. See, that is so good. You're like really annoyed, but also really glad to see a familiar face. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. so good. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. That's so weird that you can see those people in the, so that's on the, spa if you've got the DVD, that's on the special features that you can see the real footage of French Laundry. Yeah, 
yeah, it's cool. Like in the kitchen, how it that how it was, awesome. like the original kitchen. Yeah, it's wicked. Oh, I've got to I've got to ask who who in real life is the um the sous chef guy with the bald head. So he is quite... um, every kitchen, and so many chefs listening to this will know. Just the guy who just talks shit, absolute <laughs> shit. I've met so many of them. The stories change, and you'll talk about them. You'll be like, "Oh, he's telling." Oh, that I love story it when again, people do was, stories where different. they change. Yeah. I mean, we all know that guy, whether you're in industry or not. Yeah. But for some reason, there's a lot of them that become chefs, and you know, they've worked everywhere, but they haven't. You know, I could give you some good <laughs> examples. There's one guy who worked at um, Mallory. I won't tell you his name, but uh, he. <laughs> He was telling everyone, before I went there, keeping it loads, he was in a different kitchen. Oh, I worked at um, this place. I was the sous chef when they got a star. I worked here. I was the sous chef when they got a star. Um, but the stories were always inconsistent, and the guys doubted it. And then I started. These, my team were telling me. I was like, okay, well, I know the chef for that. I'll ask him. And yeah. I was like, oh, this such and such. Um, he, um, he said he was your sous chef when you got a star. I was like, no, he was a um, chef to party. And he did a runner a year before we got a star. <laughs> oh, my word. That is just... Why would you do that to you? You must be so insecure to make shit up like that. There's just no need. Then, no one's expecting it from you. You've got the job. Like, know, just yeah. get on with it You're and there. learn. Like, why... Oh, <coughs> man. And then there was, a, there was another place he worked. There was a two-star. And he said he was the Sioux. And again, I knew the chef there. So I texted the chef. I was like, you know, such and such. He's like, no. There's a lot of people come through here. So, but I'd remember the Sioux. So I took a sneaky photo of him in the pastry. <laughs> Sent him a picture. He's like, never seen the guy before in my life. <laughs> oh, man. It is, in a weird way, so rewarding when you get the text back you want. Like, yes, yeah. I knew it. Yeah, show everyone. How am I going to call him out on this? How many different ways are there that I could absolutely screw him here? Well, the, what I do, I'd never tell him. You just ask him more and more and more questions. And then I'll be like, yeah, oh, well, yeah. no, such and such. He's a mate of mine. And then the face is like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's every kitchen, mate. There is someone like that, isn't there? For maybe every office as well, there's someone in there like that. Yeah, I love it. Um. Towards the sort of back end of the movie, um, obviously he then we sort of he gets pulled into his dad's sort of gang again, and he's like, "Oh, shall I go back? What should I do?" That sort of dilemma phase of the movie. Linguini, everything's gone downhill for Linguini because he's told all the kitchen. I thought the kitchen were very okay with the idea and believed the rat thing straight away. You know, when he literally goes, "Right, okay, I'll come clean." It's been a rat all along, and then they don't even question it. He just goes. I'm, I'm leaving. Just yeah. and they all just walk out. They don't even question it. They're like, what are you talking? About? Like a rat? Are you having a fight? Like they they just go, oh, rat, disgusting. Yeah. By like just literally just walk out. They're so okay with it. So accepting of it, like it's normal. Yeah. So in so a real normal. kitchen, that would be like because you know drugs historically have been pretty rife in kitchens. They'd be like, oh, I've been at it again. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Um, and then we have that sort of bit where um, uh, Remy talks to his dad, goes back and forth, and then we find out that actually his dad's going, right, yeah, you're right, we're going to help you out. And then the rat army come to help Linguini when it's all sort of shits hit the fan. Linguini's run into his office. The, the, the guy's sat out there, the inspector's waiting out there with his evil English accent, like classic stereotype. 
and then the rat rat army comes back in and then one of the my favorite bits is when because i'd sort of forgotten about him because he was only mentioned a few scenes before is when the rat inspector yeah. comes to check the kitchen <laughs> and then he opens the door and it's like a thousand eyes and it's even though it's a it's like animation and i don't have a rat fear that is sort of terrifying isn't it just a thousand rats you know like open the fridge and there's just a thousand it's just oh, like, oh, oh it's horrible oh, isn't no. it and it feels yeah, surreal just, like the scene when yeah. colette comes back and they're all over the sections and it's like yeah, oh, imagine like, walking into the kitchen with all that. Oh god, <laughs> it looks like a bush took a trial or something. Doesn't it? <laughs> Bloody awful. Um, but yeah, it's super cool that payoff. And then um, I think like Remy's sort of, uh, I guess the the story from him is that he watched all those shows and read all those books, and then you get that nice payoff of when he's got the kitchen in working order and all the his other rat mates are helping him. I love the bit where. You see little, like, me and Haley were spotting different ones because there's so many rats and they're all doing so many different things. And I think one of our favourites was when they're sliding down the grater. Yeah, the To get it to great. Yeah, to get it to great. That's a great one. And then he goes, right, tasting. And he walks between the pots and they all throw a spoon down. He goes, bit more salt, bit more... That. It's like, that is so... That's just a great montage, that whole scene. Really oh, it's cool. brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, it, it is. It's just it's a clever how they've done that, and it's really fun for anyone watching kids or anything. Just like the the cheese grate bit, I remember watching that, and uh, yeah. it is as clever as like, how can we make these work that doesn't look too ridiculous, and they can actually run a kitchen. Yeah. And I love the bit as well. You notice it earlier on, um, like that. You know, Remy is like he's so hygienic, washing his hands, walking on his back feet, <laughs> yeah. and then he puts all the rats through the dishwasher. <laughs> To clean up. Yeah, that, that was great. They're all fuzzy. And he's like, right, you're to section one. You're to section one. That is class, that bit. is so good. I suppose Remy, in a way, though, what you do genuinely believe about him, I feel, throughout the whole film, is that he genuinely cares so much about the food. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. from from picking stuff in that woman's back garden to, you know, I'm about to die in this kitchen, but I want to fix the soup. Like, they really play on the fact that he's obsessed with smell and taste and just he loves it so much and um i think you have to for this whole film to work you've got to believe that he really gives a shit like really cares about the food so much yeah it does even to you know no better and the uh, when colette is teaching linguini how to how to cook and do the basics and you know sort of be a chef you know he's under the hat, ignoring the advice, he won't let him accept certain spices because yeah. yeah. he knows yeah. best. And he, he trusts and believes in himself. But it makes oh, they're painful those scenes, though, aren't they? Yeah, he does. They're painful those scenes because you're just like, oh god, you look like such an asshole. <laughs> when he's like, you know, when he's like, he's like trying to stop his hand from taking her food out of his hand, and you're just like, oh god, it's just really stressful to watch. You're just like, oh god, fucking rat under your hat. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, and then yeah, I suppose the end is like. I love the, uh, and that's one thing, again, I'd forgotten because, and it's something that we brought up on our podcast with all the chefs we've had, is that the payoff and the sort of um, almost redemption for this overly harsh critic is the fact that he gets brought back down to earth and humbled mm. by food that reminds him of childhood and nostalgia. And again, that is so authentic to what great food can do for you when you smell or taste something it can just take you back to a moment in time. And and as soon as he puts that ratatouille in his mouth, which they're all laughing at because they're like, it's a peasant's dish. Um, he tastes it and it reminds me of him of being a kid and, and he loves it. And he's and he writes that beautiful article. At the end. It, it shows the power of it. Um, 
the power of the food and nostalgia. And you can see how he's got wrapped up in the critic world and just wanting to ruin restaurants and being so powerful and strong. That moment, um, yeah, it's real. That, that taste just took him back to why he did it, because he loved food and he loved the memories and the things it brought up. And the, the job becomes something else, which I think happens to a lot of chefs and critics. Um, it took him right back down, right back down to earth. And I actually wrote that quote down to read it out because I, I love that quote. I remember watching it originally, and the, especially the start of that that quote in his review, I thought it was so like powerful, especially coming from a Disney film. It really it stuck with me, and it was just like just really saying like believe in yourself. So um, yeah, I wrote oh, it down. What was to, it? So in many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little and enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and themselves to our judgment, which is just the first part of it. It's like we get so stressed out by not just critics, but as you know, TripAdvisor as well, and these people. You know, we're putting ourselves out there, not just as chefs, you know, people, mm. what you do with the radio show, you're putting yourself out there. And the critic's job is easy to just pull you down. They, they're taking no yep. risk. Um, then yeah, the next that's so bit, true. Um, we thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, uh, the, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism um, resonating itself. Um, yeah. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is the discovery and defense of the new. The world is often unkind to new talent, new creations. Uh, the new needs friends. I just thought it was so beautifully written oh, and could perfect, be mate. carried across so many different crafts, mm. industries, uh, art, anything really. Um, words proper insightful. Yeah, proper insightful, proper philosophical. And, and isn't that the beauty of what Pixar can do where literally two minutes before that, kids are laughing at rats um, sliding cheese down a grater. And yeah. then two minutes later, you've got this really deep, meaningful, philosophical speech about the world of criticism and, and new talent and how we should nurture that. And that, for the, any adult of any age, could take something from that. And that yeah. is the beauty of that sort of film, I think. I think it's the way they do it as well, because philosophy sometimes, especially with children, can be hard to understand. And as adults, sometimes I can't quite get it. But they've written it in a way that everyone can. It's not too intense, but and I think it's really yeah. creative, skillful, underrated writing, because we can all empathize with it, we can all relate to it, and we can all understand it from children to adults. Um, and he, he rounds it off with, um, it's like summing up, summing up what every, anyone can cook means, um, which really sort of explains what he was trying to get across. And it, he, his words were, not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. Which... Uh, that is... That should, that should be on a fridge... Yeah, <laughs> that should be a fridge magnet. That's so good. It should, it should, because it, 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 it makes sense. And he never understood, and he was ignorant that anyone can cook, because uh, he took it too literally. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's nice, so and good. that it's is good. what I love about Pixar. They can do that, and really, they can really bring you in and see what the the message they're trying to get across, as well as this beautiful cinematography and this incredible storytelling. There's a message that's not just cheesy. Yeah, yeah, so true. Actually, it's it's. It's not um, pedestrian, is it? Or just a reworked old, you know, it's, there's a, knack, a genuine, authentic message to it that can be applied to everything outside of cooking as well. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. so good. Also, just touching on, again, that sort of whole idea of the thing that 
gets this critic to realise what he's just eaten is this feeling of nostalgia from a, a ratatouille dish. Um, that actually straight away, and I turned to Haley and said this, it reminded me of a day I had at Salt, which is weirdly, this is just like poetic, um, t- a year, almost a year ago to the day, because mm-hmm. it was Father's Day, and I brought my dad to Salt. Yeah. And that was the first time he'd ever had a Michelin star meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of those people, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. He's he's not one of those people that's necessarily like, oh, f- food's just fuel or whatever. He's open to new ideas. He just doesn't know where to start or what to look for. Or Do you know what I mean? So he is curious, but he's just yeah. never really dipped his toe into the water. Yeah. So it was really nice taking him because we, we had a meal on, on Father's Day you know, and and I knew because of Salt's sort of like attitude, your attitude towards the um, atmosphere and the would be very comforting for him. He wouldn't feel out of his depth or intimidated. Yeah. And he had a dish. Um, you'll be able to. You probably will be able to tell me. Is it a tongue? It was with mackerel. Oh, and the mackerel. Goose, was it mackerel and gooseberry? It had okay. gooseberry on it. Yeah. Was it? It was, it was mackerel. Probably been mackerel, gooseberry, elderflower in some way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And um. Yeah, he had, and the and the gooseberries were basically just slightly pickled or something. They were yeah. almost, you know, they just like they just sort of that bitterness had gone, but they were basically raw and mm-hmm. they were familiar to Dad as a texture and a flavour. And within ten seconds of eating it, he was telling me a story about picking gooseberries in his mum's back garden when he was a kid. There you go. And he did, but it was that. involuntary. He was yeah. just, he was just, oh my god, he was like, I haven't tasted a gooseberry like this since, and and. That is just is it is like magic, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it, it is, and it's so easy to sort of gloss over that. But when you break it down, it is like it's the simple things that are so powerful. His guard's down, he's enjoying it, and he's genuinely, yeah. genuinely come to that without you interviewing him, without you asking. Yeah, yeah. Be- uh, honestly, a ge- genuinely beautiful end to the film, and it's probably up there with one of the m- most underrated endings to a Disney or Pixar film, I reckon, like that sort mm. of philosophical angle. Like it's quite powerful stuff for a, for a Disney film. It is. It is. But like, yeah, like we touched upon earlier, it's powerful, but it's not overpowering. It's not like, God, they've gone deep here. Yeah. It really fits in with the theme, the flow. And it's not like a, it's Hollywood happy ending. It's a nice ending, but it just, it kind of wraps everything up. But just in Ego's quote, yeah, and actually, I really love the ending because you're right. It's not like a classic, you know, happily ever after. Well, it isn't. It isn't because it's like right. Well, obviously, we obviously the restaurant closed down because we bound and gagged two people and put them in a fridge. <laughs> so I mean, kidnapped by rats. I mean, yeah, we, no one got arrested, but we're definitely going to be closed down. But then it's this lovely thing of they set up their own little place called Ratatouille, and the French, the uh, English um, reviewer is in there. And it's mm. intimate saying, and then the coolest bit is the little rat restaurant they've got upstairs. That looks fucking oh, awesome. It. it looks better than the restaurant downstairs. <laughs> I want to eat up there with the rats. It looks great. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's just a really lovely sort of like payoff where it's not too Hollywood, but it's nice. And it, and it feels almost, yeah. for the want of a better word, because there's loads of fucking rats in it, realistic in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah, because if Gusteau's had carried on and it was like really successful, it wouldn't have felt right. It's like... Yeah. He's closed, but they got the happy end. And Ego's been knocked down a peg or two, but found himself. He's got his beret on. <laughs> He's all yeah. happy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's nice. And yeah. Linguini really and, and Colette are obviously together, but they're not like, it doesn't end with this fairy tale wedding that's cheesy. It's, it's nice. 
Yeah, oh, I really enjoyed it, mate. It had been a while since I'd seen it. And I think in my head, I'd sort of like glossed over it a bit as like, oh, just another Disney film. But it was, it was really good. Um, what was yeah. the IMDb rating? What do you reckon? Oh, I don't know, actually. Um, Bearing in mind, Shawshank Redemption is number one at 8.9. So yeah. what, I know what that, and I, I know that Coco is the highest on IMDb, randomly, because I found that correct. after I looked all up. Yeah. So, What's that, about uh, 8.4 or something, Coco? I don't know. I just know it's in like the top 50 or something. Yeah, of all time. Uh, I don't know. Is it about seven-ish? It's eight. Is it? Yeah, so really high. It's one of the the highest Pixar films, which is really impressive, actually. Ah, good. Um, Any other random observations not even necessarily to do about food? I had one down here about how very realistic as we talked about the authenticity of the restaurant you know and all the different roles and and they literally have that scene of remy upstairs which is a really good, a clever way of doing it by going right so that's the commie chef that's the sous chef that's the porter yeah. that's the, that was really clever massive restaurant really reputable one waiter how does that work one waiter for the whole thing i was like have we i said hey have we seen another waiter because at the minute we've got hundreds of chefs loads of checks on and one guy out front like this is wrong this and if you have a look at him, he's not going to be very fast on his feet, <laughs> is he? <laughs> he knows the ro- those rollerblades that the Greeny gets at the end. He needs them. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, I really yeah. like the uh, the touch at the very, very end, which was the classic old French film of putting Finn up. Oh, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, really classic like old French movie thing that I don't think you'd see on any other Disney film, but it's just that nice little nod to like French film. Which was yeah. I thought was a really cool little touch at the end. Yeah, putting that, that is cool. Yeah. I bet there's so much if you look it up, so many little nods that you just never notice because they have fun with that, like the Easter eggs, like you said earlier. Yeah, definitely. But mate. There is well, there's one thing that just really, really annoys me about it, and Go it's on. a personal thing. And they do it twice, I think. So when um, Linguini's got Remy in a jar and he's asking him what he put in the suit, and he's like, "Do rosemary?" And he's like, "Yeah." Well, that's a spice, isn't it? He's like, "Yeah." And, that's no. <laughs> and then yeah. the next day he makes that omelette which like looks beautiful but yeah it does it's really nice isn't it yeah and he's makes like, a cute mini these? one for himself yeah never gets to eat it <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like where did you get these from and he points down and they're herbs and he's like well i'll buy some spices not spices <laughs> It's ridiculous that it annoys me, but I think no. they put so much detail in. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. Like, the level of detail yeah. they do go through, how can they get something like that so wrong? That is 100%. Yeah. I'm with you there. <laughs> awesome. I really enjoyed that. That was a great one. Um, I was thinking yeah, a bit about what... We've still got quite a few. We've had loads of suggestions. Keep sending us, uh, sending us suggestions, by the way, uh, at the Nightcap pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I reckon we should go big here and... I reckon we should do Burnt. Burnt, Bradley, okay, yeah, I'm down for that. Brother Q film. Yeah. We saw, I saw it when it first came out, but I could definitely do a rewatching it. I quickly looked, checked it up on uh, Wikipedia, and I forgot that, like, there's so many big names in it. It's like, it's there's a lot of... There are. And there's there a are. few... Big names behind it as well. Yeah, like and so... Ramsey few... and Waring. Yeah, yeah, they're consultant chefs, weren't they? So I think there's a lot to unpick mm. there. And then also we've got the whole sort of... Michelin star and the inspectors component, which I think yeah. there's a lot of bullshit in there, isn't there? So I think <laughs> I think it'd be a really good one to unpick and do next week. How do you feel about that? I think that's a great shout, mate. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Is it on Netflix? I think it is, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think so. I'll um I'll do the regular yeah, post. I'll find it anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I'll do the regular post at the weekend to let everyone know what platforms you can get it on. But mm-hmm. um yeah, I think that'd be a really good one, that. Yeah, that's a good shout. Sweet. Nice one, mate. Um cool. right. Premier League starts in a couple of days. I'm happy about that. That's gonna get me through till the next uh Yeah, yeah tonight. Yeah, tonight. Yeah. That's gonna get me through the next week other than watching. So excited. I'm so excited, honestly. It's a shame that like you know, they announced the Premier League and uh what's the first game? Villa. Villa Sheffield. What (laughs) were they thinking? I know. Well they're the what they've got game in hand, didn't they? Yeah, that's true. I can't wait, honestly. Football's back. Before you know it, the restaurants will be open and everything will be back to normal. hopefully um thanks so much for downloading and yeah pick it us pick us up again next week when we do the film burnt uh and as i said follow us on facebook twitter instagram at the nightcap underscore pod on all uh see you next week mate cool catch you later mate good to speak thin thin <laughs> <laughs>